One of the really neat things about uh, being a Christian is that we have such a rich history to look at and ponder and learn from. Um, I mean, ancient stuff, stuff from different continents and, and eras and centuries. Today, I want to talk about a, a uh, feast in the church that I did not grow up knowing about or celebrating or recognizing at all in the Catholic Church and among some Lutherans and Anglicans, um, this past week was a celebration, a feast uh, of the Holy Cross. And uh, I think one other time I've, I've preached on, on the Holy Cross. And it's interesting. I'll give you a little background. It's very, it feels very medieval, the story of how the Holy Cross feast began. There was a war with the Persians um, in, the, I guess, the Holy Roman Empire. And the, the cross that had been identified as the one that Jesus was crucified on was stolen. And this is in like the 7th century. And then a few decades later, it was, it was returned or it was reclaimed. And the celebration that that relic, that important relic um, brought about, established this day. Uh, um, so it was actually on Wednesday, the 14th of September, when um, the, the day of the Holy Cross, Feast of the Holy Cross, was celebrated. But what it's become, I think, is an opportunity for us to consider the cross, to think about the cross of Jesus Christ and what it means for us and uh, what we can continue to learn about it, how we ought to view the cross. Um, because uh, I know for me, the cross is a very powerful symbol that has many meanings, but it is also very complicated um, in the feelings that it brings and the reactions uh, that it elicits in people. And um, and so I know for some people, the cross is a symbol of comfort, even joy and hope. For other people, the cross, depending on, on how they have learned to see it, can be uh, a symbol that brings about fear or pain um, or guilt um, or more negative emotions. So it's a, a complicated thing. Um, but we're going to look a little bit at what it means for us um, to look at the cross. I'm going to share some of the ways that um, that maybe you haven't thought of, that the cross can have a lot of meaning for us. Um, but first, I want to read uh, the, the epistle lesson for this Holy Cross um, feast. And it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who's wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Well, thanks be to God for this good news for us today. May the Holy Spirit give us wisdom and give us insight and direction as we listen to and seek to live out 
what God wants to say to us today. Amen. So the first thing that I am I am struck by in the Christian tradition around the cross is, I mean, the cross is clearly a an ugly, difficult, scandalous, um, violent, hard. I mean, so many negative things about the cross. And we believe, of course, that Jesus rose from the dead, that the, the cross um, was in some ways overshadowed by the, or you could say light was blindingly over the, the shadow of the cross through the resurrection. And yet the cross has remained this central part of our faith, even though there is this good news and victory over it. So instead of kind of putting it in the background and saying, oh yeah, 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 that was tough. That was bad, but we don't talk about that. We talk only about the resurrection. The cross still holds this central place. Um, and so that, that first thing is what amazes me. Uh, and and I, I wonder what the cross means to you. I, I wonder how the cross um, has a place in your life of faith and your relationship with God. I know for me growing up, um, like I said, the cross has had many meanings. And, um, you know, growing up, for, for me, the cross was always in the church. It was often very central and very beautiful and easy to draw my attention. Sometimes I saw crosses that were suspended in air or in stained glass or uh, above the altar. Um, I mean, rarely did I go to a church growing up where the cross was not really kind of at the center of everything. And so at first it was this beautiful symbol. And then as I began to know the story of Jesus, it was a confusing symbol. It was, you know, I understood that there was great defeat and loss and, and hardship right around the cross. And, um, and yet it started to mean love. I could see from the people around me that the cross meant that God loved me. It meant that Jesus died for me and that that was an act of love. Uh, and then for much of my faith, you know, the cross has represented how Jesus took my sin personally, responsibility for me, um, and that somehow that cross represented things that that I you know, was going to go through, that my sin was going to bring about for, for me in my life, that Jesus took my place um, so that I didn't have to, that somehow he took the full force of the evil that, that could come to me uh, on himself. And so he entered the, 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 the problem that I have. And so there was very much the sense of Jesus, you didn't have to do that, but you did it because you love me. That, that is a huge part of what the cross has meant for me growing up and, and being raised. Um, I, and again, I wonder what it means for you and if it has other meanings. And as I, as I got older, though, the cross has begun to take on many different meanings for me beyond that kind of personal Jesus has taken my place um, narrative. Uh, something that I've really grown in through the years is to understand that, that the suffering that Christ endured on the cross really connects him to all of those who suffer in the world, particularly those who suffer unjustly, who suffer at the hands of other people, that for Christ to be crucified, to endure that suffering, that shame, that rejection, that punishment from, from people who were unfair and didn't know him, that, that it connects him in love to all of those from that moment in history um, who have undergone injustice and undergo suffering. And I think that's beautiful. But there are a few ways I want to continue to just add meaning for us to, to what the cross can be. Because I also know that, uh, that for many, the cross has become something that is, is not positive 
Um, and I'm just going to say a quick word about that. I think that, that I'll just say very outright that I do not ascribe to the theology that the cross is something God wanted us to suffer because of our sin and that Jesus suffered the cross uh, because of God's wrath. Um, and we should have been the ones that took this brunt of God's wrath and God's punishment, and Jesus took it instead. Um, I understand you may be listening to this, and that's how you think of the cross, but but I've moved away from that. I, I, I don't believe that the cross um, is something God did to Jesus or God was going to do to us. Instead, I think it is exactly what sin does. The cross is the culmination of evil and violence and sin, um, and what it brings about in our world. And we actually see crosses all around us in different forms. Um, I could go on and on, but but um, I, I do just want to acknowledge that for some people, and many people, um, the cross represents punishment, and a punishment that really God still wanted them to have, but kind of Jesus jumped in front of the bullet for them, um, that God was, and God was shooting the gun. And I, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's what was happening. Uh, on the cross. So let me say some more about what I do believe about the cross. One thing I believe is that the cross says to us that God confronts evil and that even when evil is dangerous and evil is deadly and evil, evil is violent, that we have a God in Christ that is so courageous and loving and, and, and so strong that he is able to enter in and face evil. Um, and so the fact that Jesus died on the cross is this like assurance that wherever we find evil, wherever we find sin, wherever we find injustice, wherever we find violence, wherever we find brokenness, corruption, greed, you know, just go on and on. Jesus decides to come into that, to enter it. And the reason, I mean, there's so many reasons that's good news, but it means that whenever we are a part of, for instance, trying to battle our own sin or entering into a sinful world or a sinful situation or fighting injustice or trying to help a world where there's brokenness, wherever that's happening, Jesus is with us. God is with us. Because God in the cross is saying, I will courageously confront evil, even when that evil is dangerous and deadly and violent, I am with you, I will go. I think that is amazing. I think it's great news for us um, in a world where sometimes that happens. Sometimes we choose to do that. Sometimes we find ourselves in those situations. We certainly know there are many people uh, that are innocent that end up in horrible situations, Jesus is, enter the, enters that situation with them. But the next thing that I, I wanted to say about the cross and what it says is, is to me so central to what this passage is saying. Because very early on here in this passage, um, Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians, is talking about power. He says, we are, we are being saved and this is the power of God for us. The power of God is the cross, is what Paul is saying. And that the cross is foolishness to people. It doesn't make sense. But to us, it's power. What does that mean to say that the cross is power? And it's so important that we think about this because uh, what, what the cross is saying, the cross of Christ, is that the power of God is in powerlessness. 
And I know that sounds completely backwards and upside down, may not make sense. So God does have power. God has great power, power to create the universe, power to heal and restore, power to to end injustice and violence and evil. Um, God has power. God is, is powerful. But the way that power, particularly in the incarnation, in the and the enfleshment of God in human history on our planet in Jesus Christ, the particular way that God's power um, comes to us and, and if you want to say this, kind of solves the problem is through laying might, laying um, uh, the power of the world down and instead having this power of courageous love. And so I know that, again, that can sound so wishy-washy. And it this is where it's foolishness. This is really where it's foolishness, where if I go to people, my neighbors, people in the church, people outside the church, and say, I believe that love is more powerful than hate. I believe that laying myself down in love for my neighbor, for, um, for the people I love, is actually more powerful than, than, than the weapons that this world has. That's foolishness. That is foolishness. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. You're just wasting life if you do that. And yet, what the argument here that Paul is making is that the cross is how Jesus disarms the evil and violence of the world, of, evil, of, of a broken world that, that has convincing itself again and again that the people who win, the people who are on top, the people who make the decisions, the people who run things and are in charge are those who have the most might, the most power, the most influence, the most money, the, the, the strongest arm. You know what I mean? I could go on and on. And Jesus comes and says, I come underneath all of that. I'm going to show you a different kind of power. And so how do we join in this work today? How do we get into God's powerlessness? What does that what does that actually look like for us? Well, I think for a lot of us personally, it starts with the reality, and we know this if we've followed God for long, followed Jesus, that some of the most transformative, powerful things happen out of our weakest moments and out of our weakness. So that the, the, the things that have changed our lives for the better aren't when we were the most smart or the most able or the most, you know, mighty. It's when we have humbled ourselves. It is when we have been in a place where we've been been a place of poverty of spirit or maybe actual poverty. Or It's in those places where we feel like we don't have a lot, where we don't have power, that God shows up for us. I mean, we could all tell stories in our lives, recent stories and big stories, about how it's in our powerlessness and our powerlessness that God's power has shown through. And so we know this to be true, actually. And so we can tap into the cross in our lives as Christians by acknowledging even today and tomorrow and the next day, you know what? It's in the places where I feel weak. It's in the places where I don't have enough. It's in the places that, I, that there's powerlessness in me where God is at work and is going to be at work. I can count on that. We believe that. And the cross is what tells us that, reminds us of that. That's part of why we put them up and we wear them. and we, you know, um, So that's one way that we can tap into this. Another way, and we see this really in the Beatitudes, right? Jesus says, 
Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those with mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. He names all of these places that are powerless. And, and blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who grieve. And what Jesus is saying here is, I want you to know that, um, that my power is going to be at work among the people that you count as powerless and useless and on the margins and not counting, right? That's big. And so in our world today, if we want to enter into what God is doing, if we want to join in the power of God to change the world and save us, then we begin by joining with our neighbors and with the people in our world who uh, have been labeled powerless, the poor, the grieving, the meek, the peacemakers, the hungry. That's the mystery of God. So who is powerless? We answer that question and we get closer to joining God and work and that work. And so the other way, you know, we do this is, so we do that in relation with our own powerlessness. We do that in relation with those in the world, uh, the world is called powerless. And then we just do it by taking on the power that is, is not um, force. So serving people, loving people, giving in generosity. Um, this doesn't mean that we're, we don't have a voice because Jesus very clearly ends up on the cross because of his voice, because he challenges authority. He speaks out of his authenticity. He does what God calls him to do. Um, so we continue to do that, but we do it in a way that is loving and serving and giving as we challenge the world around us. So it's through that meekness and gentleness and peacemaking and mercy, um, again, that we see in the Beatitudes, that we can do what the cross says, and that is to find our power in powerlessness. All right, a couple more, and then I'll, then I'll finish up here. The cross says, the cross says that God can take the things that have been designed for destruction and suffering and control. God can take those things and turn them, can change them, transform them into hope and love and reconciliation. Really what I mean by this is that there is nothing in our world, no, no weapons that are forged, no systems and structures that, that are, exist, that God can't completely turn upside down. I mean, that's what the cross is saying. Because the cross represented terror, control. It was, it was literally designed to show the people who saw it when they walked by the road. It was put on the road so that people saw it and were afraid. So that they said, I need to stay in line. I need to be controlled by Rome so that I don't end up there. So that that doesn't happen to me. Kind of like, you know, public executions and things. They keep the people in line. And so there are things in our world that are broken. And the good news that the cross says, now that it's a sign of hope and a symbol of love, is that there's nothing in this world that people can make, that evil can make, that God can't turn upside down. Wow, like, that's awesome. And I would even go so far to say there's nothing in this world evil has made that God isn't in the midst right now of turning upside down. God wants to turn that stuff upside down and, and change it and make it into something new. That also says that God doesn't, you know, we play with the things God has given us, our authority. Um, uh, we play with the earth. We play with all these things. We use it and abuse it. Um, and yet God doesn't waste anything. God takes the messes we make and God makes something new. It's kind of like the image of the clay, right? God doesn't throw the clay out, but takes the clay that has not been very cooperative and turns the clay into something new. 
And so that the cross could somehow be changed into something new is amazing. And I, it makes me think of uh, Shane Claiborne has this uh, ministry that I know he didn't start, I don't think, but he's a part of. And it very literally does the whole like um, swords into plowshares. They take <laughs> they take guns that people have donated and they turn them into to garden tools. Um, and and really, what the image there is is that um, that you can take things that were maybe meant to kill something or to destroy and make it into something that that is meant for for good. And um, that's what the cross tells us. But there's one other thing I just wanted to say about this, that um, the cross also is saying that we need a, a faith and we need a church that builds us up to be like Jesus. In other words, we need to be for each other by the power of the Holy Spirit, a community that, that teaches us to be like Jesus. And we see in the community that, that, that emerged after Jesus ascended into heaven, is we, we find that there were a lot of people early on that, that laid their lives down in the same model that Jesus had set forth for them. Um, there were all these people that lived like Jesus, and we've now seen through history, up to this very time, there are people that are living like Jesus, that are giving their lives in love like Jesus. And, and so it's so important. And I would just want to say, like, this is super challenging. How can we be a people that are like Christ? And I want to say what I, what I think gave Jesus the strength to do what he did, to come and face evil, is he was so rooted in God's love. He was so rooted and tapped into God's love and I would go even further to say he was also rooted in the hope of the community he was a part of. Even the disciples who scattered and were afraid and lied about and denied him and betrayed him before he went to the cross, I still think Jesus loved and hoped for them and knew the Holy Spirit was going to come and rebuild them. And, you know, uh, that Jesus was rooted in the right thing so that he was able to know that that evil, that scary <laughs> sin and evil, was had nothing on him ultimately that god's victory was true and that he could trust god and friends i just want to before that sounds like just way more to bite off than any of us can chew we do this in little ways anytime we take a courageous moment and do the thing that's right or do the thing the spirit is leading us even though we're scared even though we're afraid of rejection even though it's hard when we do those little things, we're doing them because we're rooted in Christ. We're rooted in God's love for us. And we're saying to ourselves, I can take this risk because I know that God is with me. And I know that whatever I could lose by taking this risk, it's not going to compare to what I've already have and what I will have because of God. And so we can do that. Like, And that's what we want to be for each other as a community that reminds each other of that and shows each other how to do that, right? Um, and so my prayer for for new wineskins, and part of why new wineskins exist is because I just think we need more ways that we are trying to be more like Jesus. So we've got traditional churches that are awesome, doing great work all around us. Um, you know, I, I love those churches. I'm, I'm partnering and I'm a part of them in many ways. And um, But the reason we're here in new wineskins is we want to help each other and help our neighbors to begin to look like and live more like Jesus so that we can have all those things I said about the cross be true. Not just in history, but 
but in our lives and in a world that is so desperate for, for all that good news. So, happy Holy Cross, um, Feast of the Holy Cross. It was on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, I hope this gives you some food for thought, and I would uh, love to hear. I look forward to having discussion about what the cross means to you. God bless.